Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we are so grateful. Lord, we're thankful for the cross and for the goodness and mercy that you have extended to us, Lord, while we were undeserving, God, that while we were yet sinners, that you sent Christ for us. And Lord, we, we come declaring, God, that we will praise your name, God, that we trust you in the midst of uh, whatever situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in, God, we know that you see us and that you are uh, working all things together for good, God, for those that love you and those that are called according to your purpose, God, and I pray that this morning, God, that you would speak to us, Lord, in, in the circumstances and situations that we find us in, Lord, and that we would be encouraged, Lord, to trust you more, God, as we think about your greatness and your glory, God, we pray that, uh, Lord, you would Speak to our hearts. If there's someone that doesn't know you this morning, God, we pray that in the power of your spirit, God, that you would speak to them, that you would draw them to repentance and surrender. God, we pray, uh, God, for those that, God, maybe on the edge of uh, going the wrong direction, Lord, that the enemy has been uh, just in, in attacking their family, Lord, and attacking in their, uh, their lives, Lord, we pray that you would help us to recognize that, Lord, and that we might turn and, uh, Lord, that we might stand in the midst of uh, this world that we find ourselves in, filled with so many uh, distractions and so many things. Lord, help, help us just center our hearts and our, our minds, Lord, our lives on you. Father, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Good morning, church. Uh, grateful to uh, just worship together this morning. And uh, it's a great, uh, great time of worship. Just a, a great reminder this morning that uh, that it is Christ that is our foundation and that in the midst of uh, a world that sometimes seems to be spinning out of control that we have a God who is in control and who is our firm uh, foundation. Uh, this morning we continue in a sermon series called Abundant Life and we, uh, we had a great time last week with this reminder that uh, as the family of God that we love one another uh, great time with Phil Waldrop uh, last week and, and just a reminder that people love people who love people. Uh, and I know that stuck with you this week and we've just been encouraged to, uh, to love people, to encourage them, to love them to the foot of the cross and to uh, just uh, share the good news of Jesus with them. And as I think about the way that we love people, I'm reminded that sometimes the hardest places for us to do that Maybe the hardest places for us to extend our love and to uh, acknowledge and just to encourage, they can be in our own families. They can be in the in-laws and the outlaws. They can be uh, in the, uh, the uh, relationships that we have in our homes, those with, with our children, those with parents, those with uh, husband and wife. I heard this one lady, she was uh, being asked some questions and one of the younger folks was asking her, they were considering getting married and she said, you've been married a long time. She said, have you ever considered getting a divorce? And she thought for just a second and she said, divorce? No. Murder though, several, <laughs> several times. Um, 
And so we, we see those kind of relationships. And, you know, I, I think about those things, and we're going to look through and, and examine some of those relationships as we walk through the month of February. And as we think about the makeup of the body of Christ here at Cowee, I'm reminded that there are people from all kinds of different circumstances, all kinds of different situations that we gather together as married and single people uh, gathering together uh, with our identity in Christ, with our lives centered on Christ, on mission for the glory of his name. We gather as a people whose identity does not rest on whether we are married, on whether we are single, on whether we are engaged, that those things uh, don't define who we are, but we are defined by who we are in Christ, and we gather as a people that we recognize that Jesus has come, that we might have life, that we might experience that life abundantly, and we also recognize that there's a battle raging, there's an enemy that comes only, the scripture says, to steal, kill, and to destroy, and so we think about these relationships that we have, we are grateful to be able to come together and to spur one another along and to encourage one another in Christ. And what a gift that is. And I think about the makeup of just such a diverse group of people, all made for God, living uh, out of an overflow of a relationship with the Father, and out of an overflow of that relationship, all of our other relationships take place. And it's out of that, that reality that we recognize that when we try to figure out where abundant life comes from, where we, where we really experience that, that it's only found in Christ. Now, now in this world, we kind of live in a, a place where it's always something else that promises life. It's always this next season. Maybe if you're single and you're here this morning and you say, well, as soon as I find that person that I'm going to marry. Then, then life will be abundant. Then I'll experience that. Maybe it is connected to something financial and you say, well, right now we're struggling a bit with the financial side of things. And as soon as I get this new job, then all of a sudden I'm going to be able to experience this abundance in life. Maybe it's a, a place where if you have this thing and you can fill that in, a little more money, a little more of this, a little more of that, that somehow everything will be just right. But what we find in the scriptures is that abundance cannot be found, cannot be found apart from Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul, we, we read so much of his writing in the New Testament, and he was someone who had been rejected. Uh, he had been stoned. He had been beaten. He had uh, been imprisoned. And we, uh, later this year, are going to walk just verse by verse through the book of Philippians. And as we see uh, Paul's writings from there, there's a joy that he has regardless of his circumstances. There's a contentment that he has that's not connected uh, to the things that are going on in his life, but that are connected to his relationship with Christ in Galatians 2.20, Paul would say, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And it was this union with Christ where he found abundance in life. And the apostle Paul would speak to the various groups that are in our church. He would speak to those that are single and inspired by the spirit of God, right? Then he wrote these, these letters, the infallible word of God that we have. And he would speak to singles and he would speak to married couples and he would encourage us uh, 
and what it looks like to live in those places. And so this morning, I want to just look a little bit at what Paul said about both singleness and married couples. And I want to talk just a little bit about how both of those are gifts that God has given us for the glory of his name. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is where we're going to begin this morning. So you can take your copy of God's word and turn there. And as you think about these things as gifts, sometimes you're thinking, I don't know about these gifts. I want to see where that is. Verse 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter number 7 is where we'll start. And Paul writes these words. He says, yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. Verse 8, he goes on and says, but I say to the unmarried and to widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I. Now, Paul writes something here and, and he says, I wish that all men were even as myself am, single. He said, however, each man has his own gift from God. Now, he's talking about marriage and singleness. Now, we see in this passage that he's saying, I would prefer everybody. It would be great if everybody was, was as I am and, and was wholly focused on the Lord. But he says, everybody's got their own gift. Now, when we think about this gift of singleness, when we read that, and maybe you're single in the room today and you say, hey, I, I'm, I'm reading this, and when I think about being single in the culture that we live in, sometimes marriage can be uh, uh, elevated in a place that maybe you might feel like, hey, if I'm not married, then somehow I'm less than. Well, Paul's uh, elevating singleness. He's, he's giving us a picture there, and some of us are saying, how do we know if we have this gift, and what is this gift? Is this a, a long-term thing? Is this something that, that we experience and we recognize, hey, I've, I've been called to, to singleness forever? Uh, is this something that is a, a temporary season? And maybe you're thinking about it and you're saying, really, a gift? I, I'm not really sure that I want that. This reminds me of like a Christmas gift that you open and you're expecting a toy and you get underwear. And you're like, oh, I know I probably need this because I trust my parents, but this is not what I'm looking for right now. Right? This, is, this is a way that we can see those kind of things. Maybe it's a, a gift that you might get that you, you can't enjoy till later. I, I remember uh, my parents ha had given my kids when they were little um, like some bonds or some, some things that would mature later. Now, they were, they were little babies, so they didn't have any kind of a, you know, like, oh, man, I wish I'd gotten something else, right? But if you're five or six years old and you get that and it's something that you say, hey, you can enjoy this when you're 20, Sometimes you're like, I don't know. Maybe you've received gifts like that. And maybe you're thinking, I'm not sure about this gift. Now, there's all kinds of different thoughts. And scholars would, would lean in different ways on this passage and about the, the length of this gift of singleness. And Jesus in, in Matthew 19 would elevate this thought of singleness for the glory of God. And Paul is saying, hey, this is who I am. This is where I'm at in this moment. And when we read 1 Corinthians 7, I believe Paul is trying to get us to understand something, that, that Christ is our firm foundation. And we can trust our God with wherever we are at, whether that be in a season of singleness or whether that be in our marriage, that we can see this picture. And those that are single, Paul's going to say, these people, God can use them to further his kingdom in incredible ways, in even maybe greater ways 
because of the circumstances that they're in. So I want to encourage you this morning, wherever you are in the midst of this picture, that you would trust God where you're at. Verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 7, he says, Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each, in this manner, let him walk. Verse 20 would would point to God's plan in the midst of those things. Verse 27 would do the same thing. And, And the message this morning is that we would recognize that singleness is a gift, that marriage is a gift, and that we would see that wherever we're at in that, that we would embrace the gift. That's the first thing I want you to see this morning. We would embrace the gift and we would trust Jesus in these moments in our lives. Now, marriage is a gift. Hebrews 13, 4 would tell us that marriage is to be honored by all, that it is a a gift of God, that it is to be held in honor among all. Sometimes when we talk about marriage in church, maybe if you're single, you say, man, I wish I hadn't come on that day because all they're talking about is marriage. That doesn't apply to me. But what we see in the scripture is that marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers. God will judge. We see that we're to honor marriage, that we, we recognize that it's a gift from God, and we celebrate singleness. Now, how is singleness this gift? How does Paul describe some of that? What is the gift that it allows? And, and we're going to see in verse 32 uh, through verse 35 of chapter 7, he's going to give us some instruction there. And what we see is that when we are single, there's this gift of this undistracted devotion to the gospel, right? There's this undistracted devotion to our God. Verse 32 says this, but I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife and his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband, right? We recognize that if we're married, there, there's time that we spend in our lives and, and it's time that we rejoice in. It's time that we love. It's time that we enjoy and it's time that God uses. He doesn't waste those things. It's beautiful. But there's time that we spend in order to please our wives, in order to meet the needs of our spouse. And God would, would desire us to do that. We see that as, as part of it, right? But in verse 35, he says, this I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. So those of you that are single in this moment, there is a gift of time, there's a gift of freedom, there's a gift that that you can use for the glory of God for the furthering of the gospel. Now, we think about marriage and we recognize marriage is also a gift and, and it's designed by God when we look at the scriptures. When Jesus would speak about marriage, he would take us all the way back to the beginning. When Paul speaks of marriage, we're going to look at the last part of Ephesians 5 and the first part of Ephesians 6 as we look at some of these things over the the coming weeks. But we're going to see that Paul would take us all the way back to the beginning, that Jesus would go all the way back to the beginning. And he would remind us that God has designed marriage, that God designed it. And because he designed it, I want you to understand that only God gets to define it. And he has designed this beautiful, 
beautiful gift, right, that is between a man and a woman for the glorious name. And there's more at stake in marriage than you might think. There's more that God is doing there than you might think. It is designed by God. It is for our good. It is for his glory. We we read in the creation story as we read uh, about God making all uh, of the things that we see as God created the heavens and the earth. And we read about this beautiful story of God creating. And he would say, and it was good. And it was good. And then there's a place in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, where we read that God has created Adam and he looks at Adam and he says, something completely different. He looks at Adam and he said, it is not good that man should be alone. And and we read in, in this passage, we're seeing, I mean, this is before the fall and God is living in fellowship with Adam. God is, is in perfect fellowship with the father, but yet the scripture says it is not good for man to be alone. And what we see is that God said, I will make a a helper suitable for him. I'll make a a helper fit for him. We can see in this passage that even though he had perfect fellowship with the Father, that God has created us with a need for fellowship with him and with others. And in this case, what we see God do is that he creates a helper suitable for him. For him, when Grant and I, we've been going through this kind of great big story of the Bible, and when we talk about that, we highlight this part, and then we talk about how God brought the woman to the man, right? That he brought Eve to the man. And Grant, tell me what he said. Loud. (laughs) Whoa, man. Yeah. Yeah exactly what he said. Sorry for embarrassing him the first thing. But yeah, so, so, so he, he brings her, right? God brings her to the man and he's like, whoa. Yeah, that's how it happened. I'm, I'm confident. And so here we are, right? We're, we see this gift and, and we're created with this need. Now God created Eve, this, this word helper. When we see this word helper, it's a word that in, in our language, when we think about helper, sometimes we think about like when our kids are, are three years old and we're working on something and we got our little helper buddy and, and the reality is that we could do it probably better without them. That's not the way the word helper is used in, in this context. It's not uh, just something that, that could be done just as well without. It is a, a picture. And when we read this word uh, in the scriptures, when we see this word used, most times that we see it, it is a word that God uses to describe himself. It's a word that's used uh, in other places to describe military help. It's this thought of reinforcements coming in, right? It's this thought that that without this helper, there's going to be a mess. And and what I realize as I look at my life and I thank God for the gift of my bride, I'm reminded that God has provided uh, someone uh, for me. And I I thank God for his gift because I recognize I need help. Like more than you could even imagine, I need help. 
And, and we think about those things. I mean, Sherry tells the story of when we met and we were dating. I don't know how I overcame this, but when we were dating, I had my favorite pair of, of green pants that I like to wear every week, and they fit so good, right? So, I mean, and that's really all men care about. We're so different than, than ladies, right? We have a completely different uh, vision of, of the way things work. And so I, I've got my green pants on, and it just happens to be that the place I work at, that, that the uniform requires a red shirt. And so it looked like Christmas every day, right? And what I understand now is that doesn't match. What I understand now is that I, I kind of looked like a goober every day, right? Every day I wore it. And, and she's looking and she's going, man, he needs help. Now, some people ask me, so are you colorblind? No, I just, I don't know. I can't, I, I can dress myself like physically, but I can't find anything that matches. I can't find my way around. And last night we were in a parking garage and, and I'm going back to the car. Well, I'm going back to the car and I go this direction and I start making a right. And Sherry's like, baby, it's over here. Thank you, baby. I'm, yeah, I knew that. I was just checking out the cars over there. <laughs> nice truck. Yeah. We're in, we're in kind of this fitness thing, right? She helps me with my food. She helps me with my food. My kids help too because they tell on me if I eat anything I shouldn't. See, I told you it's hard to find that really in the, in the house, in the relationships. And, and she helps me. She, she prepares good things. She helps me in all those places. There's no telling where I would be without my bride. And I thank God for the gift uh, of this helper. Right? I thank God for this gift uh, of, of this mutual completion of one another. We see that God, well, we like to say that God made like one good person when he put us together. And she's introverted. I'm extroverted. There's, there's everything. You just can see God's intricate work in our lives. And it's just this beautiful picture. And so marriage is a gift. Singleness is a gift, right? We see singleness a gift, this undistracted devotion to God. Marriage is a gift. And, and it's this beautiful display, right? This beautiful union. And it displays the gospel. This is what we see. It's a gift and it's a union that displays the gospel. Verse uh, 31 and 32 of Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to lean in to that some in the coming weeks, but we see the apostle Paul writing and he goes back to the beginning and he says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Now, this marriage relationship, it points to the glory and, and the, of Christ in the church. It points to the gospel. And we're going to see how that works in the coming weeks. But the priority of our lives, both single and married, and, and when we read about God's creation and his design for married people, we see them called to be fruitful and multiply. And what I want to encourage you is that when we read in the New Testament and we see God's call for the church, those single and those that are married, that we have a call to continue to multiply a godly legacy. But now there's this spiritual birth there's this spiritual rebirth as we engage on mission for the glory of God. And so in singleness, this devotion that we have, this, this ability that we have for our time and for our, our attention to go toward the gospel, and in marriage, this display of the gospel, it blesses one another in the body of Christ as we are on mission together sharing the gospel. And so my encouragement to you is not to waste this season. You know, we sung about the firm foundation. We sung uh, about how God is working in the midst of all things. And so we'll praise his name. 
I want to encourage you, trust God in the midst of this season you're in. If you're single right now, you don't have to have this thing figured out saying, hey, I'm going to be single forever. I'm not going to be single forever. Is God calling me? Listen, you're in a season of singleness, and it is a gift that you can embrace, that God has you in for this moment, and you can use it for the glory of his name. If you're a married couple, God has blessed you with this union, and, and, and the gift of marriage is a gift that we, a man says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother, and he will cleave unto his wife, and they will become one flesh. And, and as, as a married couple experiences this oneness, as they demonstrate the gospel, it is a union that is a covenant union. It's not uh, just this commitment that we make to one another, but it is a covenant that we come together for life. It is a covenant that is till death do us parts. Now, what we understand about the scripture is that there's not marriage in heaven. We, we see that in the scripture, and some people say, well, man, that's kind of depressing. Listen, it's going to be so good in heaven that, that, that we're not going it, to... It's a temporary covenant, right, that we are in, in this, this gift of marriage that is for the glory of God. But I've been, like, asking the Lord, like, let us be roommates up there, right? Because we want to want to hang out like we we enjoy we, we enjoy and we embrace the gift so not only do we embrace this gift but i want to encourage you today that we would guard this gift that we would guard this gift so if you're single today and and you uh, have no desire uh, for marriage you you have uh this uh this place where maybe you're like Paul in those moments and you say, I wish everybody was like me uh, in, in this way in this moment. And you have this, this gift of uh, long-term singleness. Maybe you've recognized that. Uh, and I want to encourage you that Paul elevates that as a beautiful thing and, and to use that for the glory of his name. And we see uh, there, there's a, a single lady that breathes into my daughter. There's, a, there's a, a lady that just pours into many of our high school students. There are single people throughout our church that are living for the glory of God and are giving so much of their time for the furtherment of the kingdom of God. And so if you're single and that's you, I want to encourage you and applaud you. That, that, and Paul would rejoice in that. Jesus would, in Matthew 19, recognize that. And he would celebrate that. And he would say, if you can accept that, that's wonderful. Maybe that's you. But maybe you're here and you're single and you say, you know what, uh, I have a desire for marriage. I have a desire. Uh, maybe you're a, a, a young man or a young woman and you're saying, hey, I have a desire to be married. And I have a desire uh, to find the one. Maybe that's what you've heard your whole life, that you're supposed to be finding the one, right? You're supposed to be doing that. And we're going to kind of talk a, a little bit uh, about that and, and how maybe that's a, a cultural thing that we think about uh, when we really should be focused on who we are becoming as we pursue Christ. But if you're single and you're dating, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Date for clarity. Now, when we read the scriptures, we don't find uh, any instructions on dating. There's different cultural times, and we're seeing these arranged marriages. And when I think about that, like, I'm glad I came up in a different culture. And, and some of you are like, I'm so glad, like, my dad's not picking and my family's not arranging. But I can tell you one thing, like, Sherry's dad wouldn't have picked me. I can tell you that for sure. Right? So I'm thankful for some of that. But when we date in our culture, the world says uh, one thing about dating. And there's this, it, it's this esteemed thing. It's this identity. It's this status, this thing that we post. But we date 
for clarity. We want to see, hey, is this person the one that God would have me marry? Is this person marriage material? And what we read in the scriptures, that we read that, that we're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And so as we date, we're, we're spending time, we're recognizing, and, and we're not dating people that are not uh, believers. And what we find in the scriptures is that, that Paul's saying, if you're single, then your worry is not to be uh, focused on all these things about finding this and finding that. I've got to find this person. I've got to look for this person. And there was a lot of my life in, in the early stages of my life that I'm trying to find this person. I'm trying to, to, to date and seek and do all these things. But what Paul is saying is that you spend your time devoted to Christ and you, you live this undivided, this, this devoted life to our God. And in the midst of that, so if you're single, my encouragement to is that you would pursue Christ, that you would run, the scripture would say that, that we would run this race with endurance, that we would have our eyes fixed on Jesus, and as you go, and as you pursue, and as you live, look around every now and then, right? And you might just find somebody that's running the same direction, that's pursuing the same God in the same way that, 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 that there's this beautiful uh, picture uh, of God, and in the midst of as you are pursuing him, you see somebody you're like, hey, this person's charging along with me. Now, I heard a, a story Kelly was sharing with me at the end of the week. We were just talking about singleness and uh, just kind of watching her being on staff and being close uh, throughout the years. And she had shared that there was a message that she heard and it really had impacted her life. And she said that in that message that there was a, uh, a young lady that had gone to college and she was kind of in a, a party lifestyle and had gotten uh, just kind of away from the Lord and was, was going a wrong direction. And uh, she had met this guy. And when she met this guy, I don't know where she had met him. Maybe it was through her work or whatever. But she had met this guy. And this guy was just pursuing Christ. And, and he was a godly man. And she called her mom and she said, listen, mom, she said, I've met this guy and he's amazing. He's, he, he loves Jesus and he's going to church and he's doing all those kind of things. And the girl shared in her, her testimony that her mom responded to her and she said, oh, I'm so sorry. She said, because a guy like that is never going to be looking for a girl that's living like you are in those moments. And so there was this thought that says instead of always spending all of our energy and all of our time trying to find the one that we would spend our time pursuing God and that we would be the kind of person that we would want to marry, that we would be the kind of person that would honor and lift up the Lord and that others would be seeking. So we want to date for clarity. You know, Paul in chapter 6 has said, listen, we want to flee immorality. He's speaking to them, and this, this comes in a time after he's been dealing with sexual sin, and he's been talking about those things, and he's, he's spoken. He says, listen, there, there's some times that we stand, but he says flee sexual immorality. And God has designed uh, intimacy to be something that takes place between a man and a woman in the context of marriage, and anything outside of that is sin. And Paul is saying, listen, flee those kind of things. And so we want to guard this gift. We want, to, we want to date for clarity. And the world says date for intimacy. The world says date, and you want to try to figure out how close you can get to all these things, and you want to try to live life like married people, and you want to see how all this is going to work. But that's not the ways of the Scripture, and that's not God's way. He says, listen, you date for clarity. You want to know because you're looking for 
if you're a lady in this room, you're looking for the man that, that can be your husband. If you're a man in this room, you're looking and you're dating to see if this, if this girl, if this, if this woman, right? And, and we're, we're not dating boys, right? We're dating men, right? We're, we're looking for people that are, are grown up, right? We're looking for people that are pursuing Christ. We're looking in those kind of ways. Now, if we're, if we're married, though, we still are to date. Did y'all know that? Like, we, Sherry and I, we didn't have much premarital counseling. We didn't have really any of those kind of things. But we had the, the best advice that was given to us was a, a really godly couple just told us, hey, don't ever stop dating. Don't ever stop dating. And we've tried our best throughout our marriage just to continue to date, to continue to do those kind of things. And if you're married, if you're single, we date for clarity. If we're married, we date for intimacy, right? There's, how many of you, you've got kids and you're running along this life and you're going and you're like side by side and you're trying to figure out how to get the kids to bed and how to do this and how to do that. And you really have no time at all just to look each other in the eye and just to talk and just to spend time together. And so we date for intimacy. And when we do that, we get away from the distractions of the world. And we set aside time just to focus on one another. And I want to encourage you to date weekly to set aside some time. Now, some of that has looked different through the years. There's been times when our kids were little that we would just try to figure out how we could have enough energy to be up after 9.30 and we would get the kids to bed and then we would just sit uh, on our kitchen table or we would sit on our deck and we would just spend time together. There's times that we've had the blessing of being able to go out and do different things, but we need to date weekly. And here's the thing, guys, it's time. And we as men, we need to lead in this area. Our wives will love it if we just say, hey, on, on this uh, Friday night, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go and, and we're going to go enjoy this. And I've lined up a babysitter or, hey, let's try to get the kids to bed early because I've got a special evening plan and we're going to have uh, a dinner and I'm going to cook that or whatever those kind of things look like. Our wives will celebrate that. We date for intimacy. These are not times that we want to talk about all the problems and all the financial stresses and all the, this is the time we're coming together just to be together, and, and we want to do that. We want to date weekly, and I want to challenge you as, as just the, the people of Cowie. So if you're married and you are a part of us here, I want to encourage you to do that, and I want to encourage you. To, we want to have just a little bit of a, a, a contest or maybe a, an encouragement that's along the way, and we would love to see pictures of you dating, right? Now, most of the time when you get on social media, you find selfies in all these kind of different places of individuals. We want to see married couples, right, and we want to see these selfies of you on a date and just hashtag that Cowie date night. And we're going to give away something every month uh, to, to people that have done that. Uh, put that on social media. And it would be great just to see this elevator, right? Just to see marriages valued, honored, and encouraged, right? Date weekly. Now, as we think about this gift, right, whether we're single or whether we're married, we trust God in the moments we are in. We recognize those moments, whether they're seasons of singleness, and all of us, at least for a season in our life, are, are, are gifted with, that, with that, that singleness, with that part of our life. If you're married, I want you to embrace that as a gift that God has given you. And if you'll do that in God's way and in God's plan, God blesses that, and it's incredible what God can do. But we recognize that there's an enemy that is trying to destroy. And part of this Abundant Life series, we've, we've recognized that if we're going to experience abundant life, that we're going to have to recognize the attack of 
the enemy. And this past Thursday morning, I was just marinating on this scripture, and I had the blessing of being like a little science fair judge uh, at a uh, homeschool uh, classical conversations group and got to, got to get there a little bit early, and I was hanging out, and I was watching these kids and, and just talking to them and seeing the joy that they had and seeing the parents as they were coming in. And, you know, I could just see these parents as they were pouring into their kids and as they were, and these kids that had come dressed up because they were presenting at the science fair. And I think about all these things that, that God uh, has for these young people. And I think about all the things that I desire for my kids. And I think about all the things that, that God has for us. And I'm reminded that there's a thief that comes only to to steal, kill, and to destroy. And as I was thinking about that, there was a, a, just a story from the scripture that popped into my mind. And years ago, I heard a message. Uh, I think the guy's name was Rick Corman. He said just three words in connection to this scripture. And he said these words, not for sale. And in my heart that day, those words just kept coming up. And I was looking around at all these kids and I was looking at families and I was thinking about my family and my heart stirred to First Kings chapter number 21. And as I was waiting that morning, I read these verses beginning in uh, verse 1 uh, through 3 in First Kings 21. The scripture says this, now it came about after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel by the palace of Ahab king of Samaria. Ahab spoke to Naboth saying, give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is close beside my house and I will give you a better vineyard in its place. If you like, I will give you the price of it in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid me that I should give you the inheritance of my Fathers. Now, there's two people in this story. The first is King Ahab. Now, Ahab is a vile and a wicked man. In 1 Kings chapter 16, we read about him, and the scripture would say that he had done more uh, to upset the Lord. He had done more uh, to make God mad than any king before him. The other is a man named Naboth, and Naboth is a, uh, a just this farmer, just this poor farmer. And what we see in this passage is that he has a vineyard, and this king looks at this vineyard because it runs by the the callus and he wants this vineyard and it made the king crazy the king said hey I've got to have it I need this vineyard and Naboth basically just responds to him and he says it's not for sale in verse 2 he said give me your vineyard and he said I'm going to give you a better vineyard he said I'm going to give you a vineyard that is more that is worth more I'm going to give you a better vineyard and Naboth says in verse 3 he said the Lord forbid it because in Leviticus 25, what we read is that this inherited land, that it could not be sold. See, Naboth was standing on the word of God. And Oahab came to him and he says, give me this vineyard and I'll give you something better. And I'm reminded this morning that the enemy comes to a generation of young people. He comes to a generation of married people. He comes to us and he says, give me what you've got. He says, if you'll give me what you've got, I'll give you something better. He says, if you'll give me your purity, I'll give you pleasure. If you'll give me this season of singleness, if you'll give me uh, these things, then I, if you'll trade this devotion to Christ for a hookup culture, then in the midst of this culture, you can find freedom. If you'll give me what you've got, if you'll give me this, I'll give you something better. We read in the garden, right, that, that, that Satan tempted Eve, right, that we read that Adam was in those moments and he was passive in those moments. The Bible says that he was with her, 
But the, the, the enemy tempted and he said, listen, God has given you all these things, right? God had given them all the trees to eat of the garden. You can eat from any of these trees except for one. And Satan said, listen, God is withholding something from you. God, he didn't really mean all those things. God's withholding something from you. He wants to convince us that this book is filled with cruel commandments. But what we understand is that he has given us sweet solutions for life. And Satan says, give me what you've got and I'll give you something better. He says to married people, listen, that, that your, your love in this season, maybe you feel like, listen, sometimes we listen to our culture and we talk about falling into something and falling out of something. Love is a verb and, and we act, right? It is, a, it is a, a, an action. It is an act of the will. And he says this, that, that we love, and we're going to read that husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church, this sacrificial call to obedience, this sacrificial call to love. And the enemy's saying, listen, if you'll give me what you've got, there's somebody else that'll give you satisfaction. There's somebody else. There's this person at work, maybe because you've stopped pursuing your bride, maybe because we've stopped engaging in those kind of things. And then we see someone else, and they're paying a little bit of attention to us. They're, they're engaging in some of those ways, and Satan's saying, hey, listen, if you'll give me what you've got, I'll give you something better. But we need a generation, and we need to be a generation of people that'll say, listen, my faith is not for sale, and my family is not for sale. We need to be a people that'll stand up and say, listen, I'm going to live according to the word of God. I'm going to live uh, in a way that honors him, that'll stand up and say, I'm not going to give in to the things of this world. My witness is not for sale. My family is not for sale. Oh, old Naboth, he was just standing on the word of God. And he said, listen, you, you give me what you've got and I'll give you something better. And he said, listen, inherited land, these gifts that God has given me, they're not for sale. And in 1 Corinthians 6, we would read that if we are part of the family of God, that we've been bought with a price, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and we are not for sale. And this morning, I want to encourage you that you might declare, Lord, I am yours. My life is yours. My marriage is yours. My singleness is yours. My everything is yours, God, and I surrender all to you, and it is not for sale. I'm holding nothing back, God. If you want me to, whatever you want in my life, God, it's yours. Everything is yours. I'm yours. I'm not for sale. Will you pray with me this morning? God, we are grateful for your goodness and for your mercy. Lord, may you Help us, Lord, as followers of Jesus Christ, God, if we, if we belong to you this morning, God, that we would declare, I am yours, God, that we would recognize the cost of our salvation, God, that we would recognize, Lord, that we have been bought with a price. And Lord, I pray that, God, if there's anyone in this room, God, if there's marriages that are on the brink of disaster, God, if there's, uh, if there's singles in this room that have bought into the lies of the enemy, Lord, the, the hookup culture, God, the, 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 the lies of the enemy that we can find pleasure apart from Christ, Lord, I pray that this morning, God, that they would repent of those things and they would turn to you. God, I pray that this morning, if there's someone here that has never trusted you for salvation, God, that this morning would be got a time that they would say, Lord, I am yours. That they would recognize that apart from you, God, that we, we can do nothing to earn our salvation, that we can do nothing to receive forgiveness from our sins. God, that, that if it was not apart from your initiation, God, if it was not apart from you, God, that we would be doomed and hopeless. But we recognize that in your mercy, 
that you sent Jesus and that Jesus willingly stepped out from the glories of heaven and took on flesh and lived among us, lived a sinless life. God, while we go our own ways and we, uh, we live and, and, and fail in so many ways, God, we sin every one of us and fall short of your glory. God, that you loved us so much that, that in your mercy, Jesus came and lived perfectly obedient, lived a sinless life and died on a cross in our place for our sin. Took all of our sin, all of our shame. Lord, if, if we could look to the cross this morning and recognize that when Jesus died on that cross, it counted for me. That he was dying for my sin. And I trust him. And if that's you this morning, will you trust him and surrender everything to him? Ask him to save you, to forgive you. Come in repentance and surrender. And he'll change you from the inside out and give you life, life abundant. Father, we pray. God, that you would change the course of families this morning, God, that if there's folks going the wrong direction, Lord, that they would recognize the lie of the enemy and that their declaration would be, I am not for sale because I've been purchased by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me this morning?